Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Fiction. Science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, Los 102.3 FM Riverside and 105 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren. Now my co-host today, Mr. Joe Goldberg. I'm in the house of spending my birthday with you and Eric. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the cards and the cake, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, the cake. Yeah, yes, yeah, a big birthday. You know, I uh, I sent you a cake. You know, it should yeah, be there yeah. soon. I, I had to bake it this morning. I wanted it fresh. Yeah, I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's to come in, and uh, I'll, I will be gobbling it down after I go through every bit of the ingredients and chop it up. So there's nothing inside that will uh, take me out. <laughs> yeah, your prison cake. Yeah, your prison cake. There's a chisel in it. You know. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so that's great. Uh, happy birthday, and you're, nice. I guess, 50, 51. Yeah. 51 plus 12. So. <laughs> like, I see Medicare in the horizon. You know? Here, uh, hello. Yeah, that's what all those commercials are for on TV. They're for you. It will be for me. I'm you can take yet. over. Yeah, you can take over. Joe Namath does those, so you can be doing that next. Yeah, because his embalming is kind of wearing out. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, so when he finishes, you can get up there and go, "Hi, I'm Joe Goldberg, and yeah. the famous espionage author." Oh, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. You can wear nylons like him. Do you remember when he wore the not pantyhose? He was somebody. Yeah. Well, maybe you should see if you did that. You would be somebody. Let's talk to Eric. Yeah. <laughs> well, our guest today has a new book coming out, and it's called "Death in the Ozarks," and it's a Sally. Witherspoon Mysteries. So, Mr. Eric S. Myers, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Eric, uh, Death in the Ozarks. So, 
what about the Ozarks do you not like? <laughs> <laughs> Too many live people. <laughs> I, I mean, um, when I, I love mysteries and I've been write, reading them for years and I wanted to write my own and then I was thinking, okay, where, where do I set it? Who's the, who's the, the detective? How is this? Um, gonna work out. Um, and a lot of cozy crime, which I really, really like these days, are small town, which is kind of cool because you have a, a nice vibe and a nice atmosphere. Um, uh, but a lot of the detectives are they own a bakery or a candy shop or whatever, and I wanted something different. So, um, this was all based on a trip I took to the Arkansas Ozarks many years ago. Um, the town, of course, in my book is fictional. Um, but I was inspired by the atmosphere in the small town and this one bar that I went to. Um, so I just kind of pulled this together for the setting of the small town in the Arkansas Ozarks and my detective being um, an owner of a biker bar who um, was originally from Georgia, uh, lived in Atlanta and moved to this small town to kind of get away and start a new life. And she decided to go from accounting uh, to be owning uh, to owning a biker bar. Uh, that's a big jump. So, who is Sally Witherspoon? Are you Sally Witherspoon? No, she. Uh, I mean, with mysteries, you kind of have to craft or or come up with a structure before, at least the way I wrote it, because you really need to figure out. I mean, who's the detective, but also who are the characters? Who's the murderer, murderess? Uh, why did they do it? And I came up with a few options, but basically, the story kind of just told itself. I, I think, as I said, the, the basis of Sally Witherspoon was the town that I visited in the Arkansas Ozarks um, in this bar, and I went to a couple of bars that I went to were these sort of cafes, um, and I guess a vibe of those people um, and the town, but she's not really somebody, I mean, I don't own a biker bar, um, so, um, uh, yeah, I'm not a biker either, motor, uh, motor, I don't have a motorcycle, um, and I just came up with this character that I wanted her to be, um, I mean, she's 50-something. A lot of the um, books or characters often tend to be her detectives or younger. I wanted to, to be older. Um, and she's decided to leave her life and try something else, which I guess is what I did because I'm originally from the U.S. and uh, have lived down in Europe for 25 years. And she's kind of starting out on her own in this new town, which she only went to on vacation. But I guess it's a it's a mixture also of all of the mysteries that I've read and the, and the pieces that I like kind of pulled together into one character in the one book. Hey, Al, what have we learned about Eric so far? He likes bars. <laughs> Biker bars. Biker bars. So we can go from there up to questioning. <laughs> so let me, well, let's, let me do a question I normally do a little bit later. It sounds like the setting was before even pretty much anything else. The setting's a character in, in anything else for your book. Is that, is that true or false? Yeah, I, yes. The, the first thing that I was thinking about when writing the book was, okay, where do you set it, and not about the characters, because obviously where you set it is kind of fills the characters, or the creates the characters who would be in this place, um, and one of the most unusual, I guess, experiences, but also lovely places I visited was the small town in the Arkansas Ozarks, so I said, okay, and small towns often work for mysteries, because everybody kind of know, knows each other, but there's probably secrets there too, um, so I said, okay, I'm going to do it in this town, obviously a fictional version, and then, of course, I have to come up with a detective and people in the town and, and this mystery or deaths, and that's how it... But it did, you're right, it did start right from this sort of atmosphere of this place that I visited, which was one of the most cool, the coolest, most unusual places I'd ever been. Small towns to large cities. It sounds like you write in small towns because you like it better, like it's easier to do a mystery. Is that kind of it, or do you not like big cities? Like, how, how does that correlate when you write a mystery? 
I like the idea of a lot, a lot of mysteries that have been written, I mean, over, this, over the decades, um, where it's in a small town, people know each other, but, but somehow things already happen. Um, I, it's, I would say it's not like a closed, uh, closed door, a locked door mystery, but in a small town, it's much, it's much more like that. You're like, how could this happen here? Um, and if you're in a large city, which I also like, uh, I think it's much more, it's not as personable, I guess, also the, the way the characters know each other. Um, and I mean, I'm originally from Connecticut. My father is from Brooklyn. So big cities I know really, really well. Um, I've, I live now in Vienna and Austria, um, which is a big city, but I've also lived in small towns. So I kind of like both, but I thought for the book, or these, the best mysteries, I think, are really these sort of almost locked door, quote unquote, in, in small towns, um, where, where it's a bit more personable. It's a nicer, maybe a more you know, close atmosphere, but something bad somehow happens. Well, I was going to ask you, what is, what is it about mysteries that made you just want to write them, especially cozy mysteries, but it sounds like you like, you like that aspect of it, the, the small. But just in, in the genre of mystery, why, why mysteries? Why cozy mysteries? Why not? Yeah, I, I mean, I've read, um, I mean, starting from Agatha Christie, which I would say is my favorite uh, mystery author, as many, many people like uh, Miss Marple uh, mysteries. Um, I liked, I love mysteries like trying to solve the crime, um, you know, you throw in clues, and you, as the reader, you try to solve the crime. And I wanted more of a cozy crime rather than sort of a brutal serial killer uh, with a lot of. I mean, people do die. Obviously, it's a mystery, so you need somebody needs to die. But but more of a about the people and about the person solving the crime rather than the actual violence of it. Um, which is why I mean, and I guess part of it I say in one of my blurbs that uh, she Sally Witherspoon's a combination of Miss Marple and a Cheers bartender. Um, because there's sort of aspects of cozy mysteries um, and a sort of small town like Miss Marple lives in St. Mary Mead, um, and and also this um, yeah the bartender sort of bit rougher maybe than a standard cozy mystery. I mean I I say this is a cozy crime, but um, uh, or a murder mystery cozy crime, but one uh, one or two of my uh, beta readers slash arc readers said that it. It really, and also a few reviews that I got so far, free reviews. Um. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Said that it seemed more like wasn't quite that cozy, <laughs> also because of the bar, um, but it was somewhere between a cozy crime and a, and a murder mystery. So let me ask, because this is for me, everybody, because I'm changing my genre a little bit from espionage and out to other kind of writing, and there's a mystery element. Did you know where you were going? Did you know Sally when you started? You said that you had to plot it out, but did you really have... It goes, I just need to fill in the blanks now, or did you just write and say the story came to you as you were going? How do you, how do you write a mystery is the kind of the question. Uh, I mean, how I wrote the mystery was I did create sort of a framework. So I, I had a list of characters, like who are the detectives, the police in the town, who are the other characters, who is Sally. I did descriptions of many of the main characters. I thought about also what would be options for who was the murderer, why, and 
with Watt to quote Clue uh, the game because I needed to figure that out. From my perspective, I think you need to you need to map that out before where the story is going. Um, mainly because one of the key pieces, as I just mentioned, about a mystery is kind of dropping in clues that that readers can find and try to solve. And if you don't really think about the full story right at the beginning, then you can't really just throw in clues. I mean, writing a story and then you go back and you throw in clues that don't really fit, it just doesn't really work. Um, I have to say, though, I did have three options, I think three or four options of who was the murderer and why. Um, and as I wrote the book, that sort of crystallized one of the options. Then it, everything really solidified around that that story. I think just writing would, be, would have been a challenge because you don't really have the full story to throw in clues, for example, um, than if you do sort of a framework, at least. So how, how do you see your, your main character, Sally? And do you, do you hear her, see her, feel her? How do you do dialogue with her? Like, how, how do you experience your character? I, I mean, one of the weirdest things, at least for me personally, writing, uh, I've now published a um, historical fiction novel and a business book, although that's nonfiction. But for the fiction and also writing Sally, you feel like you're, for me at least, you're watching a movie and you're writing what you're seeing. And, and things just happen. And I guess it's your imagination, but it seems like they're just happening in front of you and you're writing it down. Um, so for me, Sally was like, I picture, I, I would say I picture the, the, the story as sort of a movie, so very vivid. Um, when I first started the first scene of the book, um, she's in the bar at the end of a long Saturday night. Um, and I could see her, what she was doing, what she was thinking. Um, and it's a very weird feeling, uh, but it's, uh, it's sort of you're watching it and you're, you're, it's, it's creating itself almost, which I guess is my imagination. Um, but it's very real, very vivid. Um, I mean, every fiction that I've written or short stories, um, that's how I, I picture that and then I'm describing what I'm seeing. So it's the same no matter what type of genre you're writing in. Exactly, yeah. Everything, I mean, when I did my first book, that was where I realized it was how I write. Um, and now with Sally and also the short stories that I've written, it's the same, it's always the same sort of vivid, vivid view of what's going on and then me describing what I'm seeing. Oh, so do they ever kind of go off the tracks and kind of take control of the story? I'm not, I don't know if I would say take control, but some things happen which I, you can't really foresee. I mean, you just start writing and then you, and then it's like a real life something happening in front of you. Um, nothing really ever, I would say, took a completely different direction, but, but sometimes the characters, I mean, in some way do take over the story because they are, they're these characters and they have these aspects and characteristics and, um, they will do things or not do things. Or while you're writing, you're realizing, you know, if you start writing something and you realize this, this character would not ever do that, it just doesn't fit to the story, then of course you change as well. So I'll, I'll stick with the process questions because that's where I'm in my brain right now. Eric has written fiction, nonfiction, historical fiction, short stories, and you're in corporate like I was at Motorola, so you've written, you write for corporate. Those are all different kinds of writing. Is, are there similarities? Are there things that people can use or think about across those different types of writing that will help them in or help yourself as you, you know, make your mysteries move on from here, right, book two. Um, one additional thing I've also written, which is currently with my agent, hopefully she can try to sell it as a horror or thriller script. Um, yeah, add to the list. Yeah, everything, um, I, I guess corporate, corporate I would say is a bit, uh, a bit different, uh, although I guess I, I just like writing, and, and the important thing is to tell a story. I mean, especially in corporate communications now, it's storytelling, but you really have to have a sort of a, it's not about just writing down words. It's about explaining something in a more of a story way that people actually want to read. I mean, a lot of corporate writing is 
not that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's very fact-based and very dry, and then executives never understand why people don't want to read that. Um, but I would say the writing that I've done, no matter what you're doing, you're always telling a story. So slight variations. I mean, I learned a lot um, when I was writing the script. Uh, I'm on um, Stage 32, which is, uh, which is a film industry's social media platform, um, and they offer connections to producers um, to review scripts or whatever. And um, I had, I had uh, one Hollywood producer review the, an earlier version of the script. I mean, he gave me a lot of feedback, but it also showed me that I mean, telling the story is the same, but there are so many different pieces you have to re you have to uh, consider when you're writing a script. How you write it, how you describe, make sure what the scene that the scenes are moving the movie along. So there are slight variations, but at the end you have to tell a story. Um, but I would say you do need to understand the different aspects of the different um, medium, like a movie or a short story, so that you adapt. But in the end, you're basically telling a story. Um, that you want to tell, and then you need to optimize that. Um, and I think for me, at least, the main uh, reason for writing was not to be a best-selling author, but was really to, to tell a story. And particularly my first book, The Historical Fiction, my goal was really to show myself that I can finish a manuscript, and it, and it was a story that I wanted to tell. Um, and I think one other aspect of writing, too, is write what you want. Write the story that you want. Um, too many times I've seen authors who... Uh, I would say this also is a lot also for the film industry these days or TV. Um, it's a lot of, oh, it's, it's the same tropes over and over again because they, the, I get the money, the money people in the businesses want to make money, obviously, but in the end it's all the same. And you really stand out as an author if you have a different story, if you have a different idea of what you want to do. So basically write what you want because it's your story that you're telling and don't think, oh, I need to write this kind of story because it'll sell better. There are so many of those already, particularly mysteries. There's a ton of mysteries. Um, you want to try to stand out with a slightly different story that people will say, wow, that's something new. But you say you, you had an, a story to tell. That's kind of why you wrote it. Is there, is there a meaning then or a subtext or something that you want people to get out of the story besides the entertainment? I think for the writing that I do and the stories that I tell to sort of introduce things that people may not have thought about, slightly different stories. Um, my historical fiction book was a uh, was based on a sad family story in the 1930s, which I fictionalized to try to, yeah, I mean, it was slightly, I guess my ending is a bit more hope, hopeful than in the reality. But to really, I guess, get people out of their bubble, read different things. That's why also, as I was saying before about, about Death in the Ozarks with, Sally Witherspoon, she's not uh, sort of 28 uh, and owns a bakery. Um, she's mid to late 50s and she owns a biker bar um, to try to be slightly different because I think that's how I am uh, in general, trying to be yeah, unique or, or different. Um, and 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 also that also comes out then in my storytelling, my writing. Now, when you're doing a series like this, do you kind of have it mapped out like, how many books you're going to do, how many stories you're going to cover, and how far you're going to go with Sally, or is this just one day at a time? That's a very good question. Um, when I was uh, first writing and then researching, sort of trying to find an agent and a publisher, um, a lot of the advice that I read, which I would I would say I agree with, is particularly Mysteries Planet as a series, um, because you're much more likely to sell it instead of a one-off. So, um I have sold the book that's coming out now as the first of three with a potential for more. Um, and I did plan it as a series because I think it's not just about another mystery, but it's about exploring Sally Witherspoon and her life and maybe a bit more of her backstory, why she 
uh, left Atlanta and moved to this town. Um, so the first one's coming out next week. The second book is fairly finished, will be out next year. Um, and the third book, I just have a basic idea. Um, and I think as I start writing that one, I will be thinking about the fourth book as well. Um, I can't really say at the moment how long it will be, um, but it's definitely a, a character I want to spend more time with, um, and not just because it needs to be, a, it should be a mystery series. So, Eric, you seem to live by the motto that writers write. Uh, you, you write everything. And I saw that you're on Medium, and for those who don't know, Medium's like a, a long-form a long writing platform. I actually use it for my class of doing their final projects on oh, Medium, okay. it's, okay. it's all on Medium. Oh, cool. Um, but so what, why Medium, and what is it that you're writing there? Because I just was glancing through some of your, your articles. What does that do for you? Um, medium, uh, I heard of, I mean, I learned about Medium as a place to sort of blog. I had been writing some business, more businessy stuff on LinkedIn, um, and I had my own blog around living abroad. That was kind of the core of, of that. Um, and then I decided to go on to Medium because having, like, your own WordPress blog, it's very difficult to um, build up an audience. Um, and with Medium, I think there's many different publications. There's a few that I write for. There's many also other publications. And it provides a, a platform that's already set up. You can reach a lot of people about the different topics. And mainly I write about living abroad mostly. I've also published there some short stories um, because short stories, unfortunately, are a bit difficult to sell, so I have an anthology, um, and it, which, uh, talking to my agent, too, we, we decided, mainly because I'm also not a best-selling famous author at the moment, it's very, very unlikely that I would sell that at the moment. Um, and I love the stories, and I wanted to share them, so I've published some of them on Medium as well. Um, but the main focus is living, I mean, I've mainly lived in Germany over the past few years, and now in Austria and Vienna, so just telling about things and also giving some travel tips, uh, living abroad tips, etc. I imagine living uh, abroad like that and coming back to write, centering your book in the Ozarks, do you feel a little distant and do you feel like because you live in Europe, like Austria and Germany and places like that for a few, a few years now, do, do you think it gives you a different, um, maybe a different tone on how you write? an American mystery? That's a very good question. I mean, in many ways, and every time I visit, my sister says, oh, you've been away so long when I'm surprised about something. Um, <laughs> um, I think in many ways I'm still very American. I read most everything I read is English. Uh, most TV I watch is English. I mean, I do speak fluent German. I would say I just feel more of a connection also with writing in English, which is which is my native language, um, which connects me to the U.S. So. And and I and I wanted this sort of this is me I am American even if I've lived here a long time, so I centered it in the U.S. I I mean I would say I'm probably more European than some Americans, but in in many ways I'm still very American um, and have this connection also with the language. I think when I was thinking about places to set the book, I mean theoretically I could have said okay I'm an American abroad wherever, uh, which would have been basically me. Um, but I decided to set it in the U in the U.S. Um, in a place I'm not even from. I'm originally from New England, Connecticut. So um, I think it was maybe that was a bit of the exotic because I had been to this small town and it was really this, as I said before, this unusual experience, really nice experience. So a different place that I didn't really know that well, but I did visit, which I think is I, I guess helped obviously to create this fictional version. But I would say I'm still there's still that connection to the U.S. So living in Europe and being an American, do you think about as you're writing uh, social sensitivities or um, are your writers sitting over your shoulder as you're, as you're putting it together? Are you thinking about them 
in what they would accept or not accept? I would say that's always in uh, in the back of my mind. I mean, um, how a setting is, and, and obviously I tried to be particularly for the for this Ozark town. I mean, it's fictional, but I try to create it as, I guess, nicely as I can. Um, in the second book, there's a much more of social social topics. Um, she takes a, a, after the events of the first book, she takes a riverboat cruise on the Mississippi um, and meets a very international group of characters and um, there's a lot more social there, but I also thinking I'm always thinking about who the reader would be and trying to be, yeah, I guess modern in the sense of what the topics would be and who the people would be and being sensitive to yeah, various groups. So writing a, a lead female character as yourself and being a male, how how do you research or go about doing that? I, I guess I, I, I'm not research, but I based her on, I mean, an amalgam of people I've met, um, this bar, this bartender, and a lot of the books I've read. So it's kind of brought every experience and thing I've read together into this one person. Um, and I also had some beta readers and also ARC readers who were female. Um, and I would say one, one, one of them, she writes a wonderful cozy crime series. She really appreciated the fact that, um, one, this, Sally is not 25, but mid to late 50s, um, and she really takes control of the situation. And, and I never thought about this, but she said a lot of the crimes that she had read with similar characters, the character isn't really the main character. They're, they are the detective, but in the end, somebody else solves the crime, and she loved that this was a very strong female character trying to solve the crime. So I was glad that she said that, and I appreciated that. But, Sally, I mean, and Sally is based on all of these people that I've known. Uh, I would say also... I would say directly, but my mother, a very strong uh, person who um, did computer programming in the 50s when uh, women were more or less weren't allowed to do it and always did her own thing. So perhaps also my mother indirectly came into this uh, character as well. Now, are you are you writing um, when you're doing this series? Have you got uh, kind of a, a Bible or some sort of notepad where you're going to keep track of characters and all the different uh, little intricacies about them and stuff so that if you get down book four or five, you don't forget or make mistakes. I do make notes um, as a detailed notes, as I, I mentioned before when I was planning the first book too, I really tried to write down as much as possible because particularly when you have a series, you can't, I mean if Sally is, she has a long sort of graying ponytail she suddenly can't have, I mean she could color her hair I guess, but she can't be a completely different person with really different colored eyes, so that's really important that you fit. Um, one thing that was a bit of a challenge when I when I had the book edited and also my agent, I changed a few of the names because for some reason a lot of the people had last names that began with S, um, which which the readers said was, or also my agent said was very confusing. So that was a bit to go back and change. But you really need to keep, I mean, it doesn't have to be 100 pages, but really detailed characters. You know, what do they look like sort of in general, um, particularly if you're writing the story. So for the first book, I had sketched out who was the murderer and why. You need to write down all of these these ideas of how this is happening because otherwise you can easily get lost in the story or make mistakes and have plot holes. And then the other thing also with the mysteries, you want to drop in clues. So you kind of need to plan those as well and keep them written down. And now as I'm moving to the second and, and we'll start writing the third book soon, um, making sure that the main people in the first book are the same, same people in the third book, um, and they haven't changed their appearance or something completely. So you have a lot that you're dealing with, and a lot of us have the Bible where we don't, where we skip it. Does writing end up for you being an easy thing to do, or is it a chore? 
I love I love writing. I mean, sometimes I can get in and write. Uh, I recently was re-editing the second book, um, and at first it seems like, oh God! I mean, the one thing with with editing, um, you know, you love your story, but you edit it and you feel like you've read it a hundred times. That I think is a bit of a chore, but in the end, it goes by very quickly. I would say the easiest thing for me is really the writing, right? writing the story. But when it comes back to editing, that is a lot of work, and you really need to get somebody outside to help you with that because you don't see the problems in your story. But in general, that's something that I, I love to do. So writing that I do is, I mean, since I work full-time in corporate, um, mostly on the weekends uh, because I really there I have the space to and time to think about the stories, but I, but I really, really enjoy that. And you sort of delve into another world, uh, of writing and your characters, um, and it, you know, just like reading a book, it sort of takes you to another place. Well, when you're writing these books, like when you're writing, like in this particular one, and you say it's like being in another world and kind of being somewhere different and living through your characters, do you think going through that experience changes you somehow? That's a very good question. Um, I think the the whole experience for me of writing, finishing a story, and um, has changed me because I've I've one I mean I've learned about the the publishing industry and the process and how it what you need to do to finish a story and also I would say I, I'm very proud of the fact that I have completed these manuscripts and now I'm I'm getting this murder mystery published um, and you do I guess you do learn also a bit about yourself or about the world around you as we were just saying about the characters you know how do you come up with the characters or how they and it's sort of pulling together every all of your experiences. Um, and it, I guess you are, you do get a bit introspective also about yourself or about your life and the people around you as you try to think of the characters, types of characters that you want to write about. Do you like living over in Europe right now like you have been for a while? I love living here. I mean, I've been away so long as my sister said, oh, it's, the U.S. has changed so much. Um, <laughs> um, and also language, whatever. Um, I, when I originally came here many years ago, I had no plan to stay that a certain amount of time, but I'm still here. Um, I love, I love it. And now I've been in Vienna about a year. And it, so, how do, how do, how do people react? You being American, is it is it really easy to live there as an American? Yeah, I mean, Vienna, big city, and also where I lived in Germany, people speak English very well. Though I speak fluent German, um, and Vienna, I would say, particularly, is very international. There's a lot of people from all over the world here. Um, I would say mainly because my German is quite good. People are surprised when I suddenly say I'm American because, like, oh, I, you sound like a German. Because the German I speak, which I learned in Germany, is German-German, not Austrian-German. But I've never really had any problems. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think Vienna being a capital city, it's very international. So it's people from all over here. So you're really a spy, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> He's agency. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Another one of my background. <laughs> He looks like, he like somebody I know, Eric. I knew. Hmm. Maybe it's a disguise kid. Yeah, yeah. He's really undercover there. Uh, look out for this one. Is there a favorite genre you like writing in? I guess mis mis mysteries. Uh, I mean, I loved write reading them, so I wanted to write, and I really enjoy writing the Sally Witherspoon mysteries. And I think the other type of writing, I love short stories. Um, I love short stories because you can tell a story in a very short amount of time. Um, but but I also help. That also forces you to reduce everything into this short story. Um, and there's some wonderful uh, short stories um, that I that I really enjoy reading. Um, and that's another area that I like writing. But I would say my favorite is definitely mysteries, which reflects also that my favorite books that I read are mysteries. So how do you, being in Europe, first of all, why did you just set it in Europe? Because you save yourself on research and you take people to a different place. How do, how do you research what you need in the Ozarks from Vienna? 
I mean, the, that's a very good point. Um, I think the Ozark area was a place that I'd actually been to. So I, I, I mean, the town and I is fictional in the book, but I based it a bit on the area that I visited. Um, and I did some, I do research online. I mean, I think my historical fiction book was, was more difficult because it's set in New York in the 1930s. Um, but these days you can find a lot of information online or ask people that you know, uh, that you may know, uh, that are from there can, can do, uh, that have tips or, or ideas and information. Um, I think as I said before, the Ozarks was, was, or the U.S. was a conscious decision, decision to sell it, set it in the U.S. and not in Europe. But maybe she she likes traveling, so maybe one of the books could be in Europe, set in Europe. Yeah, Sally needs to win the Publisher Clearinghouse trip to, <laughs> right. to Europe. Exactly. Say, but it's a setup. It's not. It's they want her to go there so they can whack her. Exactly. <laughs> it's a plan. One funny story of a German friend of mine recently. I, I she visited me and she, <laughs> she had this whole idea of how she should be somehow in the in the third book and. And then she was having this conversation. She was like, I don't know if I should be the murderer or I should be the one killed. And so, yeah, maybe maybe that's the next. <laughs> you should say, well, let's try. Let's find out whether you should be the murdered. Let's start with the murdered part first. And if that's not working, you'd be the murderer. Yeah, that, that would change that. You know, maybe don't put me in your book. Do you, do you put people in your book? You talked about your mom as a character. Do you put friends? I mean, we you, you say they're a conglomerate, but do you sort of say, okay, this is you, Bill. Yeah, that's, this character is you. I don't think, I think my mother may be influenced, I mean, and I've not thought consciously about this until you asked, uh, influenced maybe Sally a bit, but it is there, none of them are really uh, people that I know. There may be aspects of people that I know that are in characters, but nobody I would say, oh, that's X or Y. As far as I can consciously say, I try to keep it a bit separate, and they're really either completely different characters or just a combination of, of aspects. You should kill off someone Bill. that's really good. <laughs> right. Hey, Bill, remember that time you stole my golf clubs? <laughs> you're going down the, you're going to the bottom of the swamp in the Ozarks, buddy. Right. Yeah. yeah, someone's rude to you in a store and line up, and you just take them and just throw them off a cliff somewhere. You did Caged Time, right? You said that's historical fiction and stuff. Um, 1930 New York, did you spend a lot of time trying to get into the head of 1930s and what it would be like to live there and kind of center the story with that? Um, yeah, I mean, that that book was based, on, as I said, on a sad family story, which my uncle told me about. Um, and my uncle, who I spent many, many years uh, visiting, um, he was a professor in Ohio, um, um, told me a lot about his growing up, which was basically the 30s. So I had a lot of really first-hand knowledge from him about New York. Um and I have a lot of books from him about the era, and I did a lot of research because I really wanted to make sure I was, I mean, as close as I could, obviously, without going back in time. So what were the what were the cafes? What were the restaurants? Where would people have lived? Um, the person, the main character, lives in the Bronx. Um, how would he get to Manhattan? I mean, they did have subways or trains or line, train lines. Which ones would he take? How long would it take, et cetera? And I really tried to do that as closely to how it really was as possible, but I would say that was a bit of, that was a lot, of, a, a bit of a challenge because obviously I wasn't there in that time. Um, but I love doing, I mean, I love history anyway, so, and I had heard of quite a bit from my uncle about this era, so, um, and place in New York, so I, I love doing the research for that. Yeah, it's too bad if you would have known Joe then, yeah. you could have just called him, he's grew up then. He, oh, he, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like New York. 
right? So yeah. <laughs> he was probably in his twenties back then. Yeah, time portal. Actually, gave me. I was thinking about an idea for a book as you're talking about that. But my grandfather, what he did that time during the depression. I, I, I just scribbled something down here as a potential short story. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, my my grandfather also. I I thought about that too because my grandfather has a very, had a very colorful nineteen uh, twenties uh, history of um, yeah rum running. He was arrested at one point and made a lot of money during that time, and then lost most of it in the depression. I also thought of uh, he was arrested once as a potentially being a Jewish gangster. Um, I I thought too of writing something about him because from what I heard of my my from my uncle, he had such a colorful history of life and you know i don't know that much about it but that would be fun to write about yeah and it's good i i love doing the old stories too and and kind of going through the papers daily and kind of reading all the articles you pick up so much information from how how they reported it how they talked about things what was important um yeah it's really good especially with the dialogue too you want to get the dialogue correct exactly i i guess maybe that that's one of the most difficult because i do uh, read a book from an era or or historical fiction or a movie, um, and they do try to get some the dialogue right, but often there's a lot of modern things in there, and that's but that's very difficult to try to get out because obviously you're writing the dialogue and you don't know all of the words. Um, yeah, I don't know how I clo- close I got to that, but um, I like the challenge. I would say. Yeah, you, you want to at least give it a good effort and make it so it's you know so that you can get into it. Otherwise, you know, uh, it can throw you right out of a story if there's something really really bad in there and stuff so well so what's next what's coming up next for eric uh so yeah tuesday uh on december 12th my death in the ozarks my first murder mystery will be published um and the next book murder um on the mississippi uh will be published next year um and i mean i have many many novel ideas but i think with writing you need to focus um so I, I will be writing the third book i need to start the third book um finish polish off the second um, and I spent over the past few months uh, rewriting basically my script uh, to try to sell that. Um, and I have a, another historical fiction book which I'm writing, which I haven't gotten too far with. Um, but I have a lot of ideas. I just actually wrote down this morning a new idea for a short story, which was based on a dream I had a couple nights ago. So I, I try to write something new, at least a short story or a blog every week. Um, and I have a lot of ideas, so... Um, Keep writing. I'm going to keep writing, uh, working on my murder mystery series, and uh, see where this takes me. It's always just finding the time, you know, and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you're when you're working and stuff. Do you, do, does atmosphere bother you, or does it interfere in your writing, like mood and and what's going on around you, or can you just sit down every day and put something to it? I really mainly just write on the weekend, basically because of that. That's the time that I really have the time and space uh, and mind to to write. Um, usually work. It's a long day, and I don't really want to write, uh, spend writing. Um, so I focus really, and but then I can get really into the writing um, on the weekend. Uh, sometimes, like this morning, like I said earlier this morning, I had this uh, run into job, done this idea. I started a pen and paper writing down a short story. But mainly it's on the weekend where I really have the space and also the, the free minds, uh, free of all of the stress of the week to write. So now, where do you like readers or people to find you um, besides a pastry shop or something? Like, <laughs> um, yes. like you do so got little teeny things. Yeah. 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 I, the, the, the main place is my website, my author website, which is eric, E-R-I-K-M-E-Y dot com. Um, there I have information about myself and also the books that I've written, um, links to my Medium blog, um, uh, 
and I also have a, I'm on Facebook. Uh, there's links on the website too to my Facebook page and also my Medium, um, and I'm also on Instagram. Well, fantastic. Now, of course, we'll have that up. We'll have your book up, everything for people to find easily, one click, you know. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate you being here. Now, the book, Death in the Ozarks, and it's a Sally Witherspoon mystery. So, Eric S. Myers, thank you for being here. Thank you very much for the great conversation. Thanks. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.